Hello and welcome to this special Salt and Light Radio Christmas edition. I'm Pedro Guevara Man and I'm joined today by Mary Rose Bacani. Yes, and Christmas being a time when Christians all over the world celebrate the birth of Jesus, this wonderful gift that God has given us, the gift of Emmanuel, God is with us. Uh, you can sit back, relax, and join us as we share with you songs and readings about Christmas. So let's start with a song. This one is from former Salt and Light Radio guest and good friend, Sarah Hart. Uh, it came upon a midnight clear from the album Christmas Child. It came upon the midnight clear That glorious song of old From angels bending near the earth To touch their harps of gold Peace on the earth Goodwill to men From heaven's own gracious King The world in solemn stillness lay To hear the angels sing
Sarah Hart with It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani, and you're listening to a special Christmas edition of Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel Sirius 159 and XM 117. Christmas focuses on the extraordinary God becoming ordinary and what a mystery this is. Here is Ronald Rollheiser, a Roman Catholic priest and member of the Missionary Oblates of Mary Immaculate with his reflection in Daybreaks entitled, Born into the Ordinary. He says, After the birth of Christ, you need not look to the extraordinary, the spectacular or the miraculous to find God. God is now found where we live, in our kitchens, at our tables, in our wounds, and in each other's faces. That is hard to believe and always has been. When Jesus was on earth, Virtually no one believed he was the Messiah, precisely because he was so ordinary, so unlike what they imagined God to be. They had expected a superstar, a king, someone who would turn the world rightfully upside down, preaching meekness and gentleness. Jesus didn't live up to those expectations. So it is curious that scripture refuses to describe what Jesus looked like. It never tells us whether he was short or tall, with beard or without, had light or dark hair, had blue or brown eyes. Neither does it ever assign to him anything extraordinary in terms of psychological countenance. For example, it never tells us that when Jesus enters a room, his eyes were so penetrating and his gaze so awesome that people knew they were in the presence of someone extraordinary. No. In terms of his appearance, Jesus apparently wasn't worth describing. He looked like everyone else. Even after the resurrection, he is mistaken for a gardener, a cook, a traveler. Things haven't changed much in 2000 years. Seldom does Christ meet expectations. We, like his contemporaries, are constantly looking beyond the ordinary, beyond the gardener, the cook, and the traveling stranger to try to find a miraculous Christ. It is for this reason that we fly off to Fatima or Lourdes to see a spot where the Blessed Virgin might have cried, but fail to see the significance of the tears shed at our own breakfast table. We are intrigued by a Padre Pio who had the wounds of Christ on his hands, but fail to see the wounds of Christ in those suffering around us or in our own emotional and moral wounds. We pray for visions, 
but seldom watch a sunset. We marvel at the gift of tongues, but are bored listening to babies. We look for Christ everywhere, except in the place where the incarnation took place, our flesh. Love is a thing that happens in ordinary places, in kitchens, at tables, in bedrooms, in workplaces, in families, in the flesh. God abides in us when we abide there. Through the Incarnation, God crawls into ordinary life and invites us to meet Him there. That was from Ron Rollheiser, Born into the Ordinary. So for things to do this Christmas season, number seven is don't put boundaries on where Christ can be present. And now let's listen to the priests with O Holy Night. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and ever pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder
That was the priests with O Holy Night. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani. You are listening to a special Christmas edition of Salt and Light Radio. I invite you to close your eyes and pray with me this prayer. Heavenly Father, help us remember that the person who cut us off in traffic last night is a single mother who worked nine hours that day and is rushing home to cook dinner, help with homework, do the laundry, and spend a few precious moments with her children. Help us to remember that the pierced, tattooed, disinterested young man who can't make change correctly is a worried 19-year-old college student balancing his apprehension over final exams with his fear of not getting his student loans for next semester. Remind us, Lord, that the scary-looking bum begging for money in the same spot every day who really ought to get a job is a slave to addictions that we can only imagine in our worst nightmares. Help us to remember that the old couple walking annoyingly slowly through the store aisles and blocking our shopping progress are savoring this moment, knowing that, based on the biopsy report she got back last week, this will be the last year that they go shopping together. Heavenly Father, remind us each day that of all the gifts you give us, the greatest gift is love. It is not enough to share that love with those we hold dear. Open our hearts not to just those who are close to us, but to all humanity. Let us be slow to judge and quick to forgive. Show patience, empathy, and love. This prayer is from an anonymous writer. So for our Christmas countdown of things to do, number six is to be quicker to understand than to judge. And now let's listen to Coventry Carol. This one is by the group Crispin from their album, The Fresh Noel. Thank you. 
That was Coventry Carol from Crispin's The Fresh Noel. Oscar Romero, the Archbishop of El Salvador, who was assassinated in 1980 and was an incredible witness to human rights, had a heart that was always drawn to the poor and neglected. On December 24, 1978, Christmas Eve, three years before he was killed, he writes, This is the Christian's joy. I know that I am a thought in God, no matter how insignificant I may be, the most abandoned of beings, one no one thinks of. Today when we think of Christmas gifts, how many outcasts no one thinks of. Think to yourselves, you that are outcasts, you that feel you are nothing in history. Say, I know that I am a thought in God. Would that my voice might reach the imprisoned like a ray of light, of Christmas hope, might say also to you, the sick, the elderly in the home for the aged, the hospital patients, you that live in shacks and shanty towns, you coffee harvesters trying to garner your only wage for the whole year, you that are tortured. God's eternal purpose has thought of all of you. He loves you, and like Mary, incarnates that thought in his womb. No one can celebrate a genuine Christmas without being truly poor, the self-sufficient, the proud, those who, because they have everything, look down on others, those who have no need even of God. For them, there will be no Christmas. Only the poor, the hungry, those who need someone to come on their behalf will have that someone. That someone is God, Emmanuel, God with us. Without poverty of spirit, there can be no abundance of God. That's from Oscar Romero. So for a countdown, number five is, remind yourself over and over again why you need God. And here now is Tom Booth with Little One from the album Christmas Child. Bethlehem Bring peace to us If you can I know you can Cause you are Lord But so many Choose the sword I know that you'll bring peace Little one Found in you, I know that 
was Tom Booth with Little One from the Oregon Catholic Press album Christmas Child. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani. Now at the head of the Holy Family is the hidden and obscure Saint Joseph. What can we learn from him? Pope John Paul II shares his reflections of Saint Joseph in his daily meditations. He says, What emanates from the figure of Saint Joseph is faith. Joseph of Nazareth is a just man because he totally lives by faith. He is holy because his faith is truly heroic. Sacred scripture says little of, little of him. It doesn't record even one word spoken by Joseph, the carpenter of Nazareth. And yet, even without words, he shows the depth of his faith, his greatness. St. Joseph is a man of great spirit. He is great in faith, not because he speaks his own words, but above, above all, because he listens to the words of the living God. He listens in silence. And his heart ceaselessly perseveres in the readiness to accept the truth contained in the word of the living God. We see how the word of the living God penetrates deeply into the soul of that man, that just man. And we, do we know how to listen to the word of God? Do we know how to absorb it into the depths of our human personalities? Do we open our conscience in the presence of this word? Pope Benedict XVI has his own words to add. In his Midnight Mass reflection for Christmas 2005, the Pope says that St. Joseph's silence was permeated with the contemplation of the mystery of God in an attitude of total availability to the divine will. A silence through which Joseph, together with Mary, guard the word of God, known through sacred scripture, 
comparing it continually to the events of the life of Jesus, a silence interwoven with constant prayer, a prayer of blessing of the Lord, of adoration of his holy will, and of boundless confidence in his providence. Pope Benedict adds, it is not exaggerated to say that Jesus will learn on a human level precisely from his father Joseph this intense interior life, which is the condition of authentic righteousness, the interior righteousness, which one day Jesus will teach to his disciples. So for our countdown, number five is to pray to Saint Joseph that we may be able to grow in a spirit of recollection that we may treasure in our hearts the real meaning of Christmas. And to help us with that prayer to St. Joseph, here is Michael Card with Joseph's song from his album, The Promise. How could it be this baby in my arms sleeping now so peacefully the Son of God the angels said How could it be Lord I know He's not my own Not of my flesh Not of my bone Still Angel 
said How could it be That was Michael Card with Joseph's song from his album, The Promise. Ronald Rollheiser reflects on the meaning of Christmas with his reflection in Daybreaks, the celebration of all celebrations. Many of us, I am sure, are concerned that Christmas has become too much of a secular and commercial event. What used to be a season of waiting to celebrate Advent is now a marathon of Christmas parties and shopping. Where is Christ in all of this? How do we put Christ back into Christmas? Everyone agrees that some of these excesses must be toned down if we are to highlight that this is, after all, Jesus' birthday. For some, the way to put Christ back into Christmas is to eliminate most of what has culturally built up around it. The Christmas tree, Santa Claus, the colored lights, the cards, the carols, the gifts, the endless parties, and the extravagant meals. Christ gets lost in all of this, they contend. Personally, I don't agree. Christmas, beyond the fact that it is Jesus' birthday and thus fitting cause for the celebration of all celebrations is the Feast of the Incarnation, the time to celebrate flesh and the goodness of physical creation. If all the hoopla and color were not there, ironic as this may seem, the meaning of Christmas would not come through to the world nor to us as strongly. As John Shea puts it, a Christmas spirit that walks around naked will never be noticed. It needs a sprig of holly for allure. In the end, the spirit of Christmas is helped by all the hoopla surrounding it. The lights, the carols, the colored trees, the gifts, and all that food and drink help highlight the essential truth that God enters into our physical world and makes everything here holy and good. That's Ronald Rollheiser from Daybreaks. So number four on our Christmas countdown to do this Christmas, indulge in the joys of Christmas and thank God for them. And now here is Steve Angrisano with Emmanuel from the album Christmas Child. Come, come, Emmanuel, Son of God, appear. Heaven and earth rejoice, salvation is drawing near. Salvation is drawing near. Salvation is drawing me 
Man, and with me is Mary Rose Bacani, and you're listening to a special Christmas edition of Salt and Light Radio. That was Steve Angrisano with his song Emmanuel from the Christmas Child album. The Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. For us to have a holy family in this day and age, what can we learn from the Holy Family? Mitch Finley shares her views on this in her reflection called Is Your Family Holy? When the Bible says holy, it means separate or different. The word implies being healthy and whole in a world where much is unhealthy and fragmented. The English phrase hale and hearty sums up true holiness. Holiness includes such concepts as humor and laughter, compassion and understanding, and the capacity to forgive and be forgiven, to love and be loved. That's holiness. Holy families are not free from conflict, nor do they never hurt one another. Holiness in families, rather, comes from learning to forgive and to be reconciled, and learning to face our problems and do something about them. In family life, holy means striving to surrender to God's light within us when the darkness around us seems overwhelming. It means struggling day after day to bring creative order, if only a bit of it, 
to the chaos in our lives. When we work at cultivating forgiveness, reconciliation, and community, we embody God's holy will in the context of family life. A family embodies holiness by striving to be hale and hearty, not by trying to be perfect according to a set of otherworldly standards. Ron Walheiser further adds in his Reflection and Daybreak, entitled Achieving Perfection. He says that our concept of holiness in the West has been shaped by the Greek ideal of perfection. Hence, holiness has been understood as a question of measuring up to a certain benchmark. Such a view is not without its merits. It's a perpetual challenge against mediocrity and laziness. We're always invited to something higher. But such a concept of perfection also has a nasty underside. When perfection means measuring up, we find it hard to forgive ourselves and others for not being God. We carry around a lot of discouragement, guilt, and lack of forgiveness because of this. What God asks is that we bring our helplessness, weakness, and imperfection to Him. Like a good parent, He understands that we will make mistakes and disappoint Him and ourselves. What He asks is simply that we share our lives with Him and that we let Him help us when we are powerless to help ourselves. So for the Christmas countdown, number three of things to do this Christmas is remember that to be perfect means simply to walk with God with all our flaws. Let's listen now to former Salt and Light radio guest Matt Marr with Love Has Come, also from the Christmas Child album. With one voice the angels sing Songs that make creation ring Prophets hear and call us to Live in spirit and in truth Father Yahweh, Elohim Voice of thunder, spirit wind on me your very life grace will make the darkness bright
That was Matt Marr with Love Has Come. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani, and you're listening to a special Christmas edition of Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Do the Christmas bells and all the cheer tend to distract you? Is it hard to maintain a spirit of recollection in the midst of life's interruptions? In this reflection in Daybreaks, entitled Life's Interruptions, Ron Rollheiser writes, In a biography of C.S. Lewis, A.N. Wilson describes how Lewis's life was, during virtually all of his productive years, interrupted by the demands of his adoptive mother, who made him do all the shopping and housework. Lewis's brother, Warney, who also lived in the household, and who generally refused to let his own agenda be so interrupted, laments this fact in his diaries and suggests that Lewis could have been much more prolific had he not been forced to spend countless hours doing domestic chores. Lewis himself, however, gives a different assessment. Far from being resentful about these interruptions, he's grateful and suggests that it was precisely these domestic demands that kept him in touch with life in a way that other Oxford dons were not. Wilson agrees. He suggests that it was precisely because of these interruptions, which kept Lewis's feet squarely on the ground, that Lewis was able to have such empathic insights into the everyday human condition. We too must look for the hand of God in our interruptions. These often appear as a conspiracy of accidents, but through them God guides and tutors us. If we were totally in control of our own agendas, if we could simply plan and execute our lives according to our own dreams with no unwanted demands, I fear that many of us would slowly and subtly become selfish. C.S. Lewis once said that we'll spend most of eternity thanking God for those prayers he didn't answer. I suspect we'll also spend a good part of eternity thanking God for those interruptions that derailed our plans. Mary is a woman whose reaction to life's interruptions betrays her inner world. William Freeberger says in his reflection entitled, The Christmas Woman, that Luke's gospel account of the Christmas event is full of activity. And yet in the middle of the frenetic action, here is this woman wrapped in mystical silence. She demonstrates the necessity of a quiet place within ourselves at Christmas time, that place where we are most ourselves in relation to God. It is a place of silence, not because it is untouched by all the activity of our lives, but because it is capable of wonder. Every prayer begins with silent wonder before it turns to words. Our first response to God is dumbstruck awe at who He is and what He has done for us. So for a countdown of things to do this Christmas, number two is to ask Mary to help us grow in gratitude for life's interruptions. Here now are Jesse Manibusen and Nelly Cruz with their version of Mary Did You Know? Your baby boy will one day walk 
on water Mary did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new this child that you've delivered will soon deliver you oh Mary did you know that your baby boy will give sight to the great 
That was Mary Did You Know by Jesse Manibusen and Nellie Cruz. We'll end our reflections with Ronald Rollheiser from Daybreaks. Reflection titled Waiting in Joyful Hope. Pierre Taylor de Chardin was a man of hope. Indeed, his whole vision of things is generally criticized for being too hopeful. So in trying to explain hope and advent, allow me a Taylard story. Taylard was a scientist, but he was also a priest and a man whose ultimate vision of things was formed by the Gospels. Central to his system of thought was his rock-bottom belief that ultimately all of history, cosmic and human, would come together in Christ into one community of life and love. Yet he was surrounded by colleagues, both Christian and secular, who had a far less hopeful view of things. One day he was challenged this way. You have an enchanted view of history, believing that everything will one day culminate in a wonderful kingdom of peace and love, but suppose we blow up the world in a nuclear war. What happens to your schema of things then? His response to that question is a textbook definition of hope. If we blow up the world, it will be a great tragedy because it will set things back millions of years. But history will still culminate one day in a kingdom of peace and love, not because my theory says so, but because God promised it. In the resurrection, God has shown the power to bring this about despite the things we do. That's hope, to be able to say, it might take a million years or longer, but it will happen because God promised it. We, like Teilhard, should be prepared to live in great patience as we wait for God to fulfill his promise. And now we'll give you number one and the final thing to do on our Christmas list, and that is rejoice, for the Lord has come and he will come again. May the blessings of Christmas be yours now and for always. And this brings us to pretty much the end of today's broadcast. If you missed any of our program, please visit our website, www.saltandlighttv.org. Click on the radio link and visit our archives section. All the Salt and Light radio programs are available there for download. And on the same page, you can find links to all the artists whom we feature on Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. Next week, we continue with another Salt and Light Radio special, this one featuring some of our favorite interviews from the year. So I hope you can join us. My name is Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Pacani. Thank you for being with us. Have a holy and blessed Christmas season. And today, have a holy and blessed Feast of St. Stephen. Here in Canada, it's Boxing Day, but the Feast of St. Stephen. So let's end with some warmth. Here is Father Richard Holung and his group from Jamaica with Christmas is Here from their album, A Caribbean Christmas.
This day, it is the baby of our God. 